Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're continuing to get to know Olivia, and we're asking her some of your questions that you submitted. Yeah, this should be a good one. I feel like you guys are going to know more about me than you will ever need to know, but it should be fun. That's not true. I mean, there's four years of back episodes with me, so we got to catch people up on all your weird snack opinions, your skincare routine, your formative books, your childhood crushes. We need to know. The people need to know. There are a lot of good questions in this list. I was impressed with the creativity of some of them. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I put some of my own in here, too. So I wonder if you're impressed with with mine or the listeners. It's probably the listeners. You're going to have to tell me which are yours. No. Or should I guess? It's a secret. (laughs) But before we get to the Olivia chat, this episode is brought to you by the Out of Office app, a new free app that gives you travel recommendations from friends, influencers, and like-minded travelers. Stay tuned, and we'll tell you more about it later in the episode. Let's do some quick highs and lows before we get into the Olivia show. Yes. What is your high? So my high is that I booked a trip coming off of my low about travel anxiety a couple of weeks ago. I am tagging along on a work trip that Rachel's taking to London in May. I'm so excited for you. I'm it's so exciting. I'm so excited, too. Everything was really cheap. The flights were really cheap. The hotel was really cheap. So it felt kind of like a no brainer. Good. And then. Yes, this is the one that I'm like. I'm living vicariously through you and you haven't even decided if you're actually doing it yet. Well, so Rachel came over uh, last week. She was having a really bad day and she was like, can I come over and can we drink wine? To which I said, of course. So while we were drinking wine, we were a little tipsy and she was like, I think we should go see Harry Styles in Europe. And I immediately agreed. Going to see Harry Styles in New Jersey, juvenile, cheesy, too expensive, not worth the time. Going to see Harry Styles in Paris, chic, glamorous, unforgettable, cool. I don't care that it's 15 times the price. I mean, it's it's a full life experience. I feel like it will be formative for me just to see you have this experience. So we really want to do this. We're trying to convince one of our other friends to come too. The problem is it's very hard to get tickets. So the tickets are already sold out. I think that it might be a rescheduled show due to the pandemic. And there's very few tickets available on resale sites, and especially needing three tickets makes it tricky. So we'll see. I I talked about this on Instagram super briefly, and a few people DM'd me to say that they'll be more closer to the date. So we'll see. I also don't know if I really care about nosebleed tickets either. It's something I, I feel like if everyone else agrees, it's almost a money is no object situation with the tickets themselves. I just think Mm -hmm. this is such a, I'm so enamored with this idea. It's incredible. And the outfits, I love seeing what people wear to Harry Styles concerts. It's just so much sequins. But I actually kind of wonder what would be the Parisian interpretation of a Harry Styles concert outfit? Oh, I don't know. I I feel like first I have... A sequined beret. No. I feel like first I have to get the tickets and then I'm going to have to really think about the outfit because it feels high stakes. It is. It's It's not something I own. It's something new. It has to be something new. You are obligated by law. It feels like it needs to be chic camp is the brief. Oh, yes. Obviously. That, that's what Harry Styles is. Yeah. Maybe vintage. We'll see. All right. Well, I'm very excited. Keep us updated. Keep me updated. I will. Tell me your high. My high is less exciting, but... It's not less exciting to me. 
<laughs> it was very satisfying. So over the weekend, um, Jake requested to go clothes shopping. Uh, well, he did a few weeks ago, I should say, but we finally went this past weekend. I was trying to like avoid crowds. So we got to King of Prussia Mall, which if you've never been to King of Prussia Mall, it's like probably the ultimate suburban mall. I would say it's gigantic. Every store you could possibly want. So we were trying to avoid the crowds and we got there right when it opened, empty parking lot, just prime parking spot. I had coffee. I was waiting outside Sephora on a bench while before they opened the doors. And then right when they unlocked them, I went in and I felt so powerful. It was, it was, it was bad on one hand because I spent way too much on makeup, but on the other hand, it was just glorious. And we shopped for a little bit. Jake got some stuff. And then it was time for food. And I've been craving like a suburban sort of chain meal because I feel like we've been talking so much. You've inspired me with your love of chilies. Welcome to my life. When am I not craving a chain meal? And yeah, I mean, it's so satisfying. Like something about chicken tenders at a chain restaurant just uh-huh. ma- makes me feel at peace. But anyway, so there's chilies across the way. We go to the chilies. Apparently, the computer system is down for all of the chilies. We are turned away. So that oh. is a no-go. Yeah, it was devastating. Then we go back to the mall, cross the highway, and there's a cheesecake factory. Now, sure. I've been trying to go to a cheesecake factory for weeks which is sad yet true. And I've been turned away every time because, my God, it is a hot spot in the suburbs of Philadelphia. A hot spot. So you didn't so get turned away. The wait was just too long for your preference? Right. Okay. You didn't get bounced from a from a cheesecake factory, which was the story I wanted to hear. I mean, that will happen at some point in my life, and we'll we'll talk about that then too. But, yeah, so I turned myself away. I wasn't about to wait three hours for a cheesecake factory. Sure. No, factory. I, I get that. Um, especially when I was growing increasingly hangry. So anyway, there's a lot more fails in there, but eventually I ended up at a Panera, which is a solid suburban food choice. And I got my ultimate comfort meal of broccoli cheddar soup in a bread bowl with a side of bread. I had that exact meal at the, I think I was at the Charleston airport, some airport. My flight was delayed and there was a Panera and oh man, It's not even good broccoli cheddar soup, but it's nostalgic. It's so good and beige and salty. And that sounds horrible now that I've said it out loud, but it's really good. Oh, man. I'm so happy for you. Thanks so much. It It was a really glamorous weekend. But anyway, what was your low? Oh, I think I had food poisoning yesterday. Oh, no. I had some stomach troubles. I'm not really sure what happened, but it was really drop of a hat. I was fine half of the day. And then all of a sudden I was not fine. So do you know what it was from? I do. I like, I'm not going to say because I don't, I don't want to bad mouth something. That's nice of you. Well, are you feeling better at least? Yes, I feel fine today. Okay, good. That's always the best feeling when you've like recovered and you suddenly like realize how good it feels to just not be in pain. Yeah, it it feels good. I'm very dehydrated, though. So that's what I'm working on today. Good luck. Thanks. What's your low? My low is that, well, it's kind of a high also. Jake and I are going on our first trip like far, far away since before the pandemic to Italy on Thursday. But I have 
a lot of general travel anxiety and I have a lot of flight anxiety. So I even saying this, the way my brain works is like, Olivia, if you talk about being scared that the plane will crash, you will jinx it and then the plane will crash. Oh, no. Yeah. So I'm trying to work past that because I know that like anxious thoughts are not always reality, if ever. And so it's a, I'm a little bit stressed, especially because the news with the plane crash in China, which was terrible, is really stressful. But um, yeah, saying this only because maybe there's people out there who can relate to being so excited for travel and like so, 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 so happy about it. And then also so irrationally nervous. But yeah, that's that's where I am right now. Have you always been afraid of flying? No. The weird thing is when I'm actually in the plane, I like it. I like having my little seat with my snacks and my TV and no one bothering me. But in the days before, I'm just convinced I'm going to die. Oh, interesting. And I'm like that with road trips too. So like I know it will pass. I know it will be fine. I'm going to watch season two of Bridgerton. But I'm talking about it because saying it out loud makes me feel like okay, it's just an anxious thought. It's not reality. So it's not even the flight itself. It's the lead up to the flight. Yeah. And then like sometimes I'll have thoughts like, well, maybe this anxiety is really a gut feeling that you should not get on this plane like those people had. (laughs) You know, it's like I can convince myself of all of this like irrational stuff, but I know it's not not real. So anyway, anxiety, man. But I'm really, really excited and grateful to have the opportunity to travel at all. So I'm, I'm focusing on that and how I'll feel when I get there, which I will. <laughs> I'm very excited for you. Let's take a quick ad break. This ad could not be timed any better. Today's episode is sponsored by Out of Office. So I am really excited about this one. I've been playing around in the app for a few weeks now, and I think this is really going to come in handy for all of us. All of us being me and Olivia, but also all of you listening. So Out of Office is a new free app that just launched last year and makes trip planning easy. Out of Office wants to give you travel recommendations you can trust from friends, influencers, and like-minded fellow travelers. In the app, you can browse through hotels, restaurants, must-sees, and must-dos in cities around the world. One of the things I'm most excited about this year is travel. Planning trips is one of my absolute favorite things in the world, whether I'm going to one of my favorite places or somewhere I've never been before. I get a lot of questions on Instagram about how I plan trips, but the truth is that I mostly just use social media to crowdsource. This doesn't exactly make it easy to keep track of the suggestions or map them out, though. And this is exactly why I love Out of Office. It's all the best parts of crowdsourcing travel suggestions while also organizing all the suggestions for you. And I really value how curated the experience is. I can follow people who travel like I do versus on other travel sites. It's really hard to know who's recommending something. Was that hotel not good for you because you have 85 kids with you? Do we have the same budget? Do we value the same things when we travel? But what I'm most excited about is to centralize the zillion notes I have spread throughout my notes app and Instagram save folder and put everything in one place so I don't lose track of those recommendations. As a starting point, I made a list of all my Brooklyn favorites because I get asked this question so often and now I can just send people to the app. I also have one of those Instagram saved folders for travel suggestions and it is very chaotic to navigate. (laughs) 
But I also love that Out of Office is a black female-founded app. The interface is beautiful. It feels like a travel magazine in my phone. I'm so excited to discover this app, and I think you will be too. Download the Out of Office app in the App Store. It's totally free. And be sure to follow us at Becca Freeman and Olivia Mentor to see some of our most recent recommendations in Brooklyn and beyond. I know this sounds a little self-centered to ask you to follow us, but I do just want to say this is how the brand is tracking success since the app is totally free. So please go download the app and give us a follow. All right, Olivia. Here you are in the hot seat. We're going to get to know you some more. Here I am. (laughs) Also, I had some of your followers DM me to say that they wanted to get to know me, which I thought was super sweet. And like I said in the episode intro, there's four years of episodes. But if you need a place to start, every December, Grace and I did two episodes where we interviewed each other. And so the most recent Grace Interviews Becca episode, which we'll link in the show notes, is a great place to start if you are looking for the Becca Freeman 101. Those are also some of my favorite episodes to listen to, so I think everyone will really enjoy them. Oh, that's so nice. So let's start with the family and personal questions. I think we'll start with two of the most common ones. So number one, how did you and Jake meet? Jake and I met in college. That's the short answer. The longer answer is that we were both in a club for magazine writing and photography. We were actually both journalism majors. And ultimately, Jake went to law school and is now a lawyer and not in the industry at all. But he was like the president of the club. And I walked in, I was obsessed with him. We didn't start dating till later. But I was like, Oh, my gosh, he 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 likes photography. I was 18. I think. Yeah, that's sort of the the short ish long ish answer for you. How did you get together? Who asked who out? What were the circumstances? Well, he, this is kind of embarrassing. He invited me to a frat party and nothing happened that freshman year. We just kind of hung out at that party. We stayed in touch on social media. And then when he came back to the University of Florida to go to law school, I was an undergrad and we connected again. So that was that was how we dated. We went to our first date at a bento. I don't know if you've ever been to a bento. I haven't. It's like... Asian food, Chipotle, but Asian food. That's what it is. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of our story. Okay. Well, the second most popular question was about Winnie. And people just wanted dog stories in general. But I guess more specifically, can you tell us Winnie's gotcha story and also where her name comes from? Sure. I will start with the name because it's not very exciting. But we had originally wanted to name the dog Winston. We wanted to get a, a male oh. dog. And name it Winston. And my first apartment in New York, my neighbors had a baby corgi named Winston. I'll never forget him. And I mean, you can't really forget a baby corgi in general. And so I always love that name. But the story is actually, so Jake and I were supposed to go on, on a vacation. And we were at the airport. The flight was delayed. The flight was delayed. Then the flight was canceled. And then I spilled an entire beer on my laptop. And the laptop completely died. And we had to leave the airport. There's no flights. So we were like, you know what? We're not going to go on this trip. We've been thinking about adopting a dog. What if we just take this time that we've taken off from work and we go to the animal shelter? We went to North Shore Animal League in Long Island, I think. And we adopt a dog. And so I don't know if anyone has ever been there, but you have to get there very early 
and you wait in line and they open the doors and it is literally like you have to run. And if you find a puppy that you like or a dog or anything, you just have to stay by it because it will get snatched up very quickly. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, so I had seen Winnie on their Instagram and I I think her name was Lucy, actually, at that point. And so I ran to find her in the shelter and I found her and I held on to her and Jake was with another dog. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, we found the dog. Let's just, like, let's just focus on this dog. This feels like supermarket sweeps, but with animals. <laughs> it's exactly what it was like. Actually, I spotted Winnie and there was a small like eight year old girl holding her. And Olivia, I was just like, no. I was like, listen, no, this is my dog. And actually, I always think about that moment because... The other part of Winnie's story is that she actually had parvovirus. So she probably had it when we adopted her, which is a very common thing that dogs can get uh, when they're traveling long distances and they're in sort of large groups. And she had traveled from Tennessee to New York, actually. That sounds like she was like on a Greyhound bus alone, but um, <laughs> her like her litter or whatever had been had been brought up to the shelter there. So literally day four that we had her, she started just acting extremely sick. And I had known about Parvo. I don't know why, but I was aware of it. And I was just convinced she had it. For those that don't know, it's extremely contagious, extremely deadly. And there's not really much you can do other than have them like have IV fluids. So we brought her to like three different vets. Two of them said she didn't have Parvo and I was still convinced. And so that night we went to the emergency vet and they gave her the test and they were like, yeah, she has Parvo. So like $4,000 later, she survived, but it was very touch and go for about a week. And that was a very chaotic story of how he brought Winnie home. But going back to that little girl, I always thought like maybe she wouldn't have known about Parvo and maybe Winnie wouldn't have made it. And anyway, that's a nice way to justify stealing a dog from a child. I only kicked her once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did not. I have never hit a child, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, J- Jake was like, I saw you standing by her and you just had this look in your eye like, I'm going to have this this dog. And she's she's a really, really great dog. So she was your I'm meant to grateful. be. I'm yes. slightly sad that she's not named after Winnie the Pooh because my aunt has all of her dogs are Winnie the Pooh themed dogs. Is there a piglet? No, there's not a piglet. So there was a Pooh Bear who was the first one, but Pooh Bear died um, of oh. old age. Uh, oh. No, of oh. cancer. That's oh. not true, actually. Oh, um, this is true. There's a Tigger. That's a real journey. I know. There's a Tigger. There's a Rue. There's a Honey Pot. Oh. She just calls her Honey. Um, but there's there's not a piglet yet. Well, I think that's a good one for the next animal that's added in. Yeah. Yeah. Tigger's gotten pretty old. Next question, where did you grow up and how did you end up in Philly? I was born in Maryland. I lived in New Jersey for a little bit, but I basically grew up in Tampa, Florida from second grade until I graduated from college. And Philly, let's see. So right when I graduated from college, I got a job in New York. So I moved from Florida to New York. I worked there for about four years and Around my third year, one of my best friends actually passed away suddenly. I say this only because it's kind of the thing that makes me me at this point in my life. But 
it was really only because of that experience that I asked myself, like, do I want to be living in New York? Do I want to have this job? Do I like the city? Do, do I want to be somewhere else? Like what matters to me in terms of how my days look? Because it just really hit me in a big way. Like you don't necessarily have all the time in the world to just wait and figure it out. And so Jake and I decided that we wanted to move. And I had a very close friend who lived in Philly. I had been here once. So kind of similar-ish to your San Francisco situation. But I just kind of felt like it was the right fit. I think I was also pretty scared to be too far from New York because it was the only sort of career space I had known. And so we just did it. We ended up renting the place that we live now without ever seeing it in person. And it's the best place and the best street. And I just am thankful every day that we moved here. So yeah. That makes me so happy. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? I actually am interested to talk to you about this because there's no single experience in my childhood that is not defined by me being just obsessed with how tall I was. Oh. And I don't know if this is your experience because you're 5'10", right? I'm 5'10". No, I feel like I was always among the taller girls. My chi- elementary school best friend was the same height as me. That makes a very big difference. I And in high school, I had a best friend who was the same height as me. I, I, I guess I never felt particularly singled out for being tall. That's good. I, whether it was me or just the fact that I was always surrounded by like average height people, I just felt really different. And now I'm like, okay, I'm six feet tall. Like, so what? But when you're 12 and you're six feet tall and you go to a school with like 30 other people in your class, it feels very isolating. And my family's not particularly tall. Like my parents aren't, I should say. So that kind of defined a lot of my childhood experience. I just always felt like I stuck out and I always felt like I didn't fit in. Can I volunteer something for you? Yes. So I learned when Olivia was in New York that when she was in high school, she was a really big blog follower. And she used to read Grace's blog and our friend Merritt's blog and Carly's blog, like, when you were in high school, I thought that's, I mean, first of all, that makes me feel really old, but I just thought that was so funny and full circle. Yes. I, well, I would say mostly late high school, early college. So okay. yeah. So yeah. But yes, I would also be very obsessed with if I followed a blogger who was really tall, I would be like, oh my gosh, like, look at her. She's wearing heels. That's awesome. But yeah, other than that, I think I was just kind of shy and just very obsessed with my friend group. Like I had three best friends and that's all I cared about really, which was looking back, wouldn't have it any other way. Don't be offended by this, but were you a horse girl? Becca. There's something about you that has horse girl energy. I do have a sweater currently that has a horse on it, but no, absolutely not. We say this to Rachel as well, that she has horse girl energy and she's super offended by it. And she wasn't a horse girl. I wanted to be a horse girl, but my mom wouldn't let me ride horses because you have to clean out the stalls after. And she knew that I wouldn't like that. Yeah, that doesn't seem like your thing. No, but I really wanted to horseback ride. Maybe you're the horse girl. Maybe. (laughs) I'm just projecting it onto you. I, I do feel a little bit like, what is it about myself that says horse girl? 
I don't know. I mean, I do tend to get very like into niche interests and kind of stick on them for a while, but I was more like I really like Green Day. Not <laughs> interesting. I yeah. Well, you know, I felt like So you were like an emo girl. I thought I was. I think I was mostly just like a Pisces who wanted to feel things. <laughs> oh, I don't man. know. I know it was it was yeah. It was an interesting time. All right. A couple quick ones. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think I'm both. Oh, I thought you were going to say introvert. I I would lean that way, but I get a lot of energy from being around other people. And if you catch me like in the right situation, I could be like, let's go out every single night of the week. Okay. But I have to be like in a certain environment with certain people. But yeah, I think I'm definitely both. But yes, more introvert. Okay. What's your Enneagram type? I am a six. What's six? Six is very loyal and very security oriented. Okay. Very anxious. Very, the one Enneagram six meme I always think of is like when you're in the security line at an airport and you're like, what if I accidentally packed a gun? <laughs> like <laughs> that, that is 100% me. And <laughs> that just so succinctly summed that up. I now yes. fully understand. Thank you. What, what's yours, by the way? I'm a three. It's very mm. achievement-oriented and bossy. Okay. Let's go into some career questions. What does your pie chart look like? What percentage of your work time is freelance writing versus influencing versus now the podcast versus anything else? I did a quick like review of March work so I could answer this. But So in March, I had about 20 freelance assignments. So that's a combination of editing and writing. Uh, four Instagram partnerships that went live. Maybe I worked on a few for April, but four that went live. Um, and then in between all of that, I do podcast, social, blog writing, affiliate strategy, that kind of thing. Would you say that your freelance writing is more or less than 50% of your work pie? I would say it takes more of my time, but it's okay. probably about the same income-wise as everything else. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Um, what made you decide to move from an editor position to freelance? Going back to my whole thing about like having this realization of like, oh, you just don't have the time that you think you do necessarily to make the changes you want in your life. I just... I kind of realized that I had this fascination with like being editor in chief or something and getting promoted, getting that next title. But I, I didn't really particularly like enjoy what I was doing day to day. And I don't know how you spend your days is like your life. <laughs> so I became really fascinated with the idea of setting my own hours, working my own hours, working on what I wanted to work on and being more creative. And it just seemed like freelancing was the way to do that. And yeah, also best decision ever. And no pressure, but what can you tell us, if anything, about the book you've been writing? It is a thriller, psychological thriller. Mm -hmm. And I told Becca the plot recently, and I was like so nervous. I was like, there's this, and then there's this, and then it there's also great. this. <laughs> it sounds great. Thank you. I want to tell more people, but you actually, we had a conversation about this, about kind of waiting because you don't want to like draw out the process and have people get bored about it because, you know, the publishing process is like a very long process. And I don't even know if I'm going to get to that point. I hope I do. I have faith that I can. But 
Yeah, it's a psychological thriller uh, about, I don't know if I want to get into the details of the plot, but it's set partially in Florida and partially in a major city in the U.S. And it has to do with cults. I think that's a good a good high-level summary. More to come. Yes. I hope that sounds interesting to you. If you want to know more or you're curious, please let me know. Let's talk about travel. What What's your favorite place that you've traveled to? I will tell you one of the most memorable places I've been to recently. It's this place called Gordon's Beach on Long Island in the Bahamas. And I've been to the Bahamas a handful of times, but I had never been to this particular island. And this beach, when I tell you, I think about it daily. I've posted about it a ton on Instagram, but it is just stunning. It was the most beautiful beach, not pretentious, not like bougie or anything, just a great beach bar with the the guy that worked there was just keeping track of what everyone was buying and paying and literally just like a aligned like legal pad sort of notebook. It was just, it was perfect. It was perfect. I loved it. Everyone should go there. I need to look it up. I've never even heard of this place. It's I hadn't either. And I walked out of the car and I looked at the beach and I was like, I've never, I've never seen anything like this. It was stunning. Oh, okay. You've piqued my yeah. interest. Very important question. What's your go-to airport snack situation? I love this question. Was this your question? No, this was not, but I feel very strongly about this. Okay. So I have started recently packing my own snacks. Now before, I would think, yeah, in the past I'd be like, that's so annoying. Of course you have to go get the Gardetto snack mix at the airport store for $27, which I do love the Gardetto's party mix snack mix. So I pack a Ziploc bag, a sandwich bag full of, this is a very important balance. I had to put like almonds in there or pistachios because... I have to have some sort of protein because I will get very angry if I'm hungry. Okay. And I'm already going to be stressed, so that's got to be in there. But then I also include like a Cheez-It, like some cheese-filled pretzels, just something that's actually enjoyable Mm -hmm. to eat. Mm -hmm. So then I like kind of trick myself into eating the almonds. And then you're going to want to have something that is like a sweet, sweet and salty mix. So I do usually like a peanut butter-filled pretzel. With Mm. chocolate or chocolate chips or something. Okay. And that has served me well so far. What is yours? Well, I tend to be – I'm not a huge snacker in general, so it's really only if I get stuck for a really long time that I'll snack. But I do like in the Delta Lounge, they have meal food, and I will usually get a little of whatever they're serving or like fruit or something. If I were stuck on a long delay – I would probably get some kind of chips. Like I would get kettle chips probably. I also love Twizzlers in an airport, but I'm, I'm much more of a meal person. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm there in the morning, I would get a Dunkin' breakfast sandwich. Or if I was there Ooh. in the afternoon, I would get actual lunch. All right. That's acceptable. I support you. Yeah. How do you think about prioritizing travel? It seems like you're always traveling. So I know that it's important to you. How do you prioritize it budget-wise and time-wise? I... Obviously, it's been a little bit different these past two years, but at this point in my life, I just feel like I have to do it as much as possible. And it's kind of like I save a certain amount of my income and whatever is left over, it's up to me to use that how I want. And so I'm trying my best to dedicate as much of that as possible to travel and just make it work and 
sometimes I book things and then cancel them or sometimes I book them and then it forces me to take the trip. But I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a really unique stage of my life and I have the ability to do it. And so I want to do it. Let's take a quick break. As a freelance writer and former editor, I am not kidding you when I say that I have written probably hundreds of gift guides. I've written gift guides for every single holiday you can imagine, for moms, for dads, for siblings, for people who are impossible to shop for. I even wrote one specifically for people who love board games. Sometimes it can be hard to find new, exciting, and completely unique gift options to include in these roundups, but when in doubt, I always know the place to look. Uncommon Goods. So Uncommon Goods is the ultimate destination for thoughtful, original gifts. Stocking products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade are made in the U.S. Uncommon Goods has thousands of items that are exactly the opposite of the -the run-of-the-mill personality list gifts you've seen hundreds of times before. Exactly. Flowers and gift cards are great, but they're not exactly going to surprise or delight someone. With Mother's Day coming up, it's May 8th, by the way, consider keeping Uncommon Goods in mind when shopping for the special mom or mother figure in your life. The site makes choosing a thoughtful, completely personalized gift that much easier. It really does. Plus, Uncommon Goods has experiences you can gift. From flower arranging classes to cocktail making lessons, Uncommon Goods has everything you can imagine and then some. Personally, and I'm pretty interested in the cocktails in Spain class. That really does sound pretty amazing. Doesn't it? It does. Doing like a a tapas night at home with some really impressive cocktails. I might gift it to myself, really. But if you're searching for a Mother's Day gift or any gift at all, really, check out Uncommon Goods today. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash BOP. That's uncommongoods.com slash BOP for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, they're all out of the ordinary. So, Olivia, probably the most volume of questions we got were in the food category, which is something Grace and I had very strong opinions on. So we got to catch people up on some of your hot takes. Okay. First of all, what are your favorite comfort foods? My favorite comfort food in the world is dumplings. Any kind of dumpling, specifically a soup dumpling with a ton of black vinegar, like so much black vinegar that it's probably bad for me and some of my taste buds are burned off. I don't think I've ever had a dumpling with vinegar. Well, we're going to go get soup dumplings with vinegar while you're in Philadelphia because Beck is coming to Philadelphia to record. I can't wait. We're we're trying to do once a month recording in person because it's a different experience and also just to build our relationship, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, Do you have any weird snack obsessions? Let's see. I don't know if it's weird, but I have gotten to the habit of eating snacks with chopsticks and I very much enjoy it like a Cheeto with a chopstick or a Cheez-It because then your fingers don't get dirty and there's something about it that is very soothing. That sounds genius. It's very fun. That sounds genius. What's one food you hate that other people love and vice versa one that you love that a lot of other people hate? I hate beans. Any bean? Yes. Okay. Pretty much. I will eat them if they're in something, but it's like not a pleasant experience for me. And this is one that a lot of people I think also dislike, so it might not count, but I also hate olives. Like olives is, if I have one in something, it will make me like gag. It will ruin the experience. I love olives. Love 
I wish I did because, you know, if I love like a, a meat and cheese board, like just, you know, pickled vegetables. And then there's always olives. And I feel bad because I'll eat your olives. Okay, great. Perfect pairing. And one I love that other people hate. I think a lot of people love pickles, but I don't know if a lot of people love pickles the way that I love pickles. Oh, maybe I just have a vinegar thing now that I'm realizing this. I don't know what that means, but. I consider pickles and olives similar. So it's interesting that you love one and hate the other. It is. This has always like confused me as well. And and also, I have tried olives many, many times because I'm like, I, I gotta, I like most things. So I'm like, come on, I can work up to this. I can be an adult and like olives. Can't. I just, I want to drink like a martini with the olives. Ugh. Like it just looks so, it looks so cool. But alas. Alas. If each of your fingers on one hand dispensed a beverage and these were the only things you could drink for the rest of your life, what would they be? This was my question. We're going to do water, Mm -hmm. hazelnut iced coffee with a splash of half and half, Mm -hmm. white wine, Diet Coke with lime, not lime Diet Coke, Diet Coke with fresh lime. This is important. Okay. And hot coffee. Oh, interesting. You have two fingers devoted to coffee. Are you surprised? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you could just do the hot coffee finger and let it get cold. I... I thought about that. I did. I considered it. But okay. then I thought, I think I would like it because really this was a thought process I had. Like, what if I'm somewhere and it's cold out and I don't have yeah. access to anything? I want a hot beverage, you know? I'm happy and that you're happy with your finger beverages. Yeah. I'm thinking about it too hard now. <laughs> you don't need to defend it. They're your fingers. What would yours be? I know this is about me, but I need to know. Mine would be polar orange vanilla seltzer, iced coffee with cafe mocha creamer, Red wine, probably like a Pinot Noir so that it's like light enough that it can be in any occasion type wine. Good choice. Good choice. Plain water. And then I would, depending on the day you catch me, I would either say dirty martini or I love a quarterly ginger ale. I don't drink ginger ale frequently, but like when the craving hits for a really ice cold ginger ale, like nothing tastes better. Are you a ginger ale on the plain person? I can be. Sometimes. It hits the spot sometimes. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. All, all good choices. What is your favorite thing to cook in an air fryer? There is this one recipe for crispy kimchi chicken from Cook This Book by, I'm forgetting her. Molly Boz. Yes, exactly. And she actually fries it like in oil, but I just do the air fryer because it's incredibly easy. And I absolutely love it in there with the kimchi ranch. It is so good. Now that I just got hungry thinking about it. Me too. It's delicious. I've never made that. I have that cookbook. I'm going to have to look at it. It's incredible. It's like lemon and yogurt and like ranch. And oh Mm. God, it's so good. So good. What is your favorite way to eat a potato? French fry. Okay. Skinny or fat? Skinny. Okay. Yeah. And crispy. I hate the steak cut fries. Those are an abomination, if you ask me. I I tend to agree. I'm glad we're on the same page there. What are your top three restaurants in Philly? This is a very hard question. I'm going to go with the first three that come to my mind. So we went to Zahav for the first time recently, which is widely like kind of talked about as the best restaurant in Philly. I'm very bad at superlatives, clearly, but... It is absolutely delicious, and we couldn't get a reservation for, like, years for a reason. Uh, It's incredible. I love Dim Sum Garden's soup dumplings. It's, like, I think 
They're with the black vinegar. They're incredible. And I've actually only been to this place once, but I think about it very often. South Philly Barbacoa. I don't know how to describe it, but it's delicious. I think she won a James Beard Award, the chef there. But it's um, just the most delicious tacos you've ever had. That sounds great. I love barbacoa. We should go there too. You would love it. Great. Let's move into some book questions. So somebody submitted a general question that I did want to answer. Will book club picks still be new releases or will you venture into older books? Do you want to answer this one? Because I think this is actually something that I had not even considered or thought about or understood a little bit before I started doing this whole process with the podcast. So you, you are probably better at explaining it. Yeah. So the answer is they're going to continue to be new releases. We'll pick one or two backlist books per year. Backlist means older books that are usually out in paperback. The reason is I want our book club to be somewhere that people go to find out what's new and next in fiction. And we can't do that if we're picking popular books that everyone's already read. And I know that this is really frustrating to library readers because you have long wait times and you don't want to go out and buy a book, which I totally get. But the good news is it's a podcast book club. So the episode is there whenever you're ready. So you can listen to it 10 months from now if you have to. And yeah, if you want to create book swaps in the Facebook group, totally supportive of that. But yeah, I think it's going to be new releases. My dream, my long-term dream is that the Bad on Paper podcast book club has the same cachet of like a Reese's book club. That's the dream. That's the dream. That's the goal. I would love that. Back to you. What is your most controversial book hot take? I looked through my Goodreads to try to figure out what this would be. And this isn't really controversial, and nor is this a book that I disliked. I actually enjoyed it. But I was very confused about the hype around The Maid. I don't know if you've read it. It's a recent one. I haven't. I, I actually did recommend it on Instagram to people who are into mysteries, but like don't like the dark, creepy, scary thriller stuff. But it was kind of marketed as a thriller, and... I maybe that's what confused me about it. I just didn't it felt really sleepy okay. to me. Like yeah. I don't know. I was just a bit confused by it. But I, I do understand why people would like it and I'm glad that so many people did really love it. Okay. What is your favorite book to film adaptation and one you most want to see made? Oh, the favorite one. Well, I'll start with the second question. I am dying to see Project Hail Mary be made into a movie. And we can talk about that more in the book club episode because there's some, because it is being made into a movie and there's some very interesting casting. Well, one casting decision in particular that is, could be controversial. I don't know. And Verity. Verity is another one where I read the book and I was like, why is this not a movie? This will be incredible as a movie. I don't think I can watch the movie. I'm too much of a scaredy cat, even knowing what happened. I, I don't think that would be for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I it, I think it could be really good. I think it could be really Oh, I'm good. not saying it wouldn't be good, but like I'm What if it was a, a series? A baby. No. Okay. No, I I don't like scary things. Verity was out of my comfort zone. Was the push too scary for you too? Cuz that one actually I didn't read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you it's it's very creepy, but I loved it so much. And oh gosh, I'm trying to see. My favorite book to film adaptation. Hmm. I don't have a favorite book to film ap- adaptation off the top of my head. Okay, next question. What's been your favorite bad on paper book club pick? I loved Black Cake. Obviously, that was a recent one, so that's easy. I love Verity. And honestly, a lot of the ones that you guys have done, I haven't read. So I'll have to go back and read most of them. There were a few that I had, like the, the one about vampires. 
the Southern. Oh, you must have hated that guide to slaying vampires. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> Frankly, Grace's mom chose that one. <laughs> it was it was very different than I was expecting it to be. Me too. I read it on the beach, and there's one particular scene with I think spiders. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's stuck in my brain forever. But yeah, I clearly I have to catch up. So. How do you choose what to read next? How many books are in your TBR pile at a time? I actually don't really have a system for this. I okay. I do have a stack of books downstairs that I kind of read from in the morning based on – I usually switch off between genres. And so it's just kind of what seems right. I'm sure that will change a bit when we're like uh, screening more books for book club picks in the summer and whatnot. Uh, but my Kindle, I just kind of browse around until I find something that's interesting pure gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Is there a book from childhood that made you a lifelong reader? I thought of two for this question. So the first one is And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. And I think that kind of informed my love of mysteries and thrillers, even though I don't know if it's a thriller by today's standards. But I can just remember vividly where I was when I read it and reading it like in one go, could not put it down, was just totally in this mystery and like loving the feeling of being totally swept up in it. And the other one, I have to say, because I was 15 years old when Twilight came out, (laughs) is probably Twilight. And I wouldn't have said that for a very large chunk of my life. And I certainly would not have said that as a teenager. But I think it kind of taught me looking back that it's okay to just enjoy a book. Like you don't have to have some critical review of it. It can just be fun and fantasy and yeah. Oh my gosh. Going to a bookstore at midnight and waiting in line for a book. Oh my God. That is a completely unique experience that is just ingrained in my being. It's amazing. I had just graduated college in 2008 and I think I actually didn't start reading the Twilight books until at least the first two were out, but maybe the first three. But I also remember it being a very addictive experience. Oh yeah. it. I've said this before, but it reminds me of Akatar. The people want to know. The people, not me. What did you really think about the idea of you? This seems like a pointed question. It's probably because they saw my Goodreads review, which I went and looked up. And I gave it 2.75 stars rounded up. Okay. I read it in 2019, which I've changed a lot of my reading habits since then. I really did not start reading any sort of romance until that was probably one of the first I ever read. Because I think I had this sort of outdated silly notion that like romance writing is worse or kind of the same thing like with Twilight that's sort of dismissed. And I've totally gotten rid of that now. And it's definitely changed my reading habits for the better. But I think I wrote that I found some of the writing a little bit cringy. I I know. Becca just gave me this look. Becca just gave me this look. I will. I have to say that I think if I read it now, I'd have a different opinion on it. Because when you're in that mindset where you're being like judgmental of certain genres, it's we're like too good for it. Yeah. Read it as you're too good for it. Yeah. I think I would have a different opinion, but I also like could not put it down and I recommended it to other people who also really liked it. So I, so I don't know. Secretly liked it. I, yeah. Yeah. I would have to read it now. I was just a very different reader then. And I think I was yeah. like trying to, I don't know. I was limiting myself. It was dumb, but Yeah, I'd like to read it again now that I'm here. (laughs) Okay. Let's take a quick ad break. 
As someone who's been in therapy at different times in my adult life, it took until meeting my current therapist to realize that therapy is a whole lot like dating. Finding a therapist that you truly connect with is life-changing, but sometimes it takes a few tries to find just the right person. BetterHelp makes that process easier to navigate than ever. Plus, it's often much more affordable than in-person therapy. And here's the thing. Therapy is for everyone, no matter what you're going through or how big or small you think your struggles are. Take stress, for example. Working with a therapist can be an incredible tool to alleviate and lower your daily stress levels. Absolutely. Stress can affect everything from sleep to work. And personally, when I'm stressed, I can't shut my mind off and it infiltrates every single part of my life. One of the best parts of BetterHelp is that it makes sure the process of finding a therapist doesn't add to that stress. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or even chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And anyone who's like me and tends to get just a little bit of video chat anxiety sometimes will understand why that is such a game changer. No matter what anxiety or stress you're dealing with, though, one of the best parts of BetterHelp is it makes it easy to find a therapist who specializes in different areas. From experts in self-esteem and trauma to LGBT matters and addiction, BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed professional therapists. No matter what you're looking to address, BetterHelp can match you with your own therapist in less than 48 hours. After that, it's up to you to choose what you want your therapy to look like. Whether you choose the anytime messaging feature, phone sessions, or video meetings, BetterHelp gives you the ability to choose what works for you. And of course, everything you share is totally confidential. Personally, I can't help but consider how much earlier in my life I would have found an amazing therapist had I had access to the tools that BetterHelp provides. I know just how intimidating the concept of therapy can be, but take it from me, it is so worth it. And BetterHelp makes it that much more accessible. So give it a try and see if online therapy can lower your stress today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. All right. We're getting close to time. So we're gonna we're gonna rapid fire these miscellaneous ones because they're also some of my favorite ones. Okay. What are some of your favorite hobbies and interests? Somebody said that they love what Grace brought with art and skincare. And what are your things? I love clothes. I love fashion. I love plus size fashion. And I feel like it's kind of sometimes a struggle to (laughs) find stuff. So that hunt. And I also really love thrifting, antiques, interior design, all of that. Okay. Excited. Very important. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? I had many, but I was deeply obsessed with Ashton Kutcher. I actually owned a trucker hat at one point from Claire's that said, I heart Ashton on the front Wow. Wow, indeed. Not proud, but it's a fact. Wow. Mine was Titanic era Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) I mean, classic choice. Classic. Are you the instigator behind tipsy candles or makeup or is Jake? Originally, I I honestly, I don't know who started it. It really was just that we were tipsy one night and we started filming. Okay. Maybe both. Okay. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Not super recently, but I was convinced the air fryer would suck, speaking of air fryer. And now I live and die by it. It is the greatest invention of all time. I can't believe I existed without it. Somebody wanted to know, have you ever attempted stand-up comedy? This, no. (laughs) Oh, this made me think that maybe you had and I wanted to know about that. No, no, no. 
I think from a writing perspective, it would be really interesting because I think humor writing is difficult and challenging and interesting, but uh, no. (laughs) If you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up song be? Motivation by Normani. Okay. Or Paper Plans by MIA. Okay, great. What's your ghost outfit, which is the one outfit that you wear for the rest of your ghostly experience? Was this your question? No, but I loved it. (laughs) It's amazing. Something like a long, flowy dress with gigantic sleeves. Something, wait, no, I take that back. You know the dress that Drew Barrymore wears in Ever After with the wings? Oh, wow, yeah. And the glitter? Yeah. Yes, I will be absolutely thriving in the ghost life. Love it. Yes. What is your current favorite Bath and Body Works candle? They just sent me some of their Easter ones, and one of them is sun-drenched linen, which smells basically like fresh laundry, and I love having it burning when I'm cleaning. It's delicious. I got to be honest. Give the person a raise who's naming these candles. That just sounds great. It does. It's the perfect name, too. Yeah. Who do you have a friendship crush on? I didn't really know what this question meant, but since I did rewatch Fleabag in its entirety this weekend, I absolutely love Phoebe Waller-Bridge and I would love to be her friend. I think Yeah, that's, that's exactly. I always what, get her I, name confused with Phoebe Bridgers and it, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. What other podcasts do you listen to regularly? Not a lot. I am a devoted listener to Morbid. It's a true crime podcast. I am deeply obsessed with it. That's really the only one I listen to regularly. I thought you said you listened to The Daily and Up First. Oh, yeah. I listen to those. I don't really consider – I'm talking about, like, entertainment podcasts. I oh, guess. okay. But, yes, I do listen to The Daily and Up First every single day. The last one is your skincare routine. We got lots of compliments about your skin. Is it quick enough to do fast, or does this need to be a whole separate episode? I don't know how seriously you take skincare. I think it's quick. Okay, great. At night, I use micellar water to remove my makeup. Then I use Paula's Choice salicylic acid, the 2% toner – Then I use skin food and a retinol. That's it. Okay. And I also think I should say I use the Paris filter, the thing on Instagram a lot. So whatever you're seeing, just know that it's probably like 15% better than it is in reality. You look pretty good right now. Do you have touch up my appearance on Zoom? Yes. Okay. Me too. (laughs) Me too. You look good too. Uh, I'm not wearing any makeup, (laughs) but I definitely have touch up my appearance on. (laughs) Into some end matter. Let's go. Okay. What are you obsessed with right now? I recommended this to you last night. Over the weekend, I watched Somebody Somewhere on HBO Max, which I'd heard good things about. And for some reason, I was resistant to watching. And it was fantastic. So it's with Bridget Everett, who is like a stand-up comedian slash cabaret performer. And she's very toned down in it. I would almost say that the show is very similar to Life and Beth, but I enjoyed it more. So it's about a woman who moves home to Kansas. She hasn't really accomplished much in her life. She has this dead-end job, and her coworker invites her to what he calls choir practice. And it turns out that he is running this off-the-books open mic night in his church's basement for all of the town weirdos. And it's just (laughs) such a delightful show about her navigating life and making friends and finding her place in this small town. And it's not really about anything, but it's it's great. I will watch that. I watched the first five minutes a long time ago. And I, you know, when you're one of those moods, you can't decide what to watch. You watch yep. five minutes of something, you stop it immediately. Yeah. So I'm going to give it another try. It sounds really good. I think you should. I, I really enjoyed it. 
It's on the list. What is your obsession? My obsession is something that we spent roughly seven minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce before we filmed this episode, but it's the Laneige Lip Balm. I use the sleepy mask every single night, every single morning. It's basically like a thick lip balm, but I recently at Sephora on our mall trip this weekend bought the like the tube version to bring on the plane. Mm. And it's, I think, grapefruit or peach. I don't know. It's just great. It's the best lip balm. I really recommend it. It's one of those things you see a lot and you're like, that cannot be good, but it is really good. So I don't know if you've tried it, but I actually used to use it and I replaced it with the Tatcha lip mask. I have tried the Tatcha lip mask. Oh, you don't like it as much? I thought it was okay. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Like, would you say there's a marked difference between the two? Experience-wise, I would say the Tatcha one is definitely goopier. I find that my lips are moister and that the moistness lasts longer. This is now we're two for three with you saying the word say it moist again? at the moist. end of an episode. I love it. <laughs> Let's try to kit it in every episode. Just I can to try to work consistent. in panties too. I know a lot I of love people it. don't like that one. <laughs> oh my God. Well, <laughs> why not? All right. What are you reading right now? Okay, so I finished Wahala by Nikki May, which was the book I was reading last week about the three friends who live in London and are all of Nigerian descent. And a fourth uh, kind of dangerous friend infiltrates their friend circle. And I loved it. It has very mixed reviews on Goodreads. And I will say that there is some fat phobia in the book and there is some colorism in the book that is never quite fully justified, I guess. And I totally understand those problems. But from plot level, I thought it was great. It's kind of like a a social thriller, I guess. And then mm. the sentence level writing was incredible. Just from an aspirational level of reading somebody else's writing, it was so, the writing was phenomenal. Oh, that makes me want to read it just based on that alone. And then yesterday, while I was uh, not feeling so hot, I read All of Sister Starlight by Jane Green. And this one just showed up at my door. It was something that got mailed to me. It did just come out, so it is available. It is a fictional imagination about Talita Getty. And it's set between 1960s London and 1960s Marrakesh. I can't decide if I truly recommend this or if this just hit a sweet spot for me. It definitely had its problems. I enjoyed it so much. I feel like that era of Andy Warhol's Factory and the Rolling Stones and and that is like so of interest to me that I would read anything about it. Yves Saint Laurent is in the book. It really hit a lot of boxes for me that I'm like, is this just something that appealed to me because I'm fascinated by this or was this good? I will say there's a lot of fat phobia in it. The first third of the book, it's about this girl trying to get skinny so she can be cool, which I do think is probably reflective of the times, and it is probably historically accurate, but it's it wasn't the greatest thing to read about. There's a ton of gratuitous drug use in it. It's about this innocent girl from Dorset who gets sucked into this rock and roll world, hmm. but I really liked it. It sounds intriguing. 1960s Marrakesh, you said? Mm-hmm. I, that alone, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm in. What about you? What did you read? I, I don't have many updates. I couldn't tell you where in the book I am in A Court of Mist and Fury. All I will say is there are some details about the fairy wings that I was not expecting. 
Mm-hmm. And they're erogenous zones. They, yes. I I was reading and I was like, oh, that's, oh, yeah, we're going there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't hate it and I, I'm confused by that. But do you think your ghost wings in your Drew Barrymore Ever After costume will also be erogenous zones? I mean, one could only hope. It is eternity, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, anyway. It's I'm on chapter like it feels like chapter 735, but I think it's technically chapter 55. It is so long. I it's so long and I find myself kind of skimming through the like fairy wars parts. It's just a lot of okay, I get that there's different fairy groups and they are angry, but like let's just get to the sex, shall we? And then I'm reading The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. I'm about 100 pages into this. This is an extremely dark book. It's set in Philly, which I absolutely love. But it's essentially about a stressed out mother who leaves her child at home one day and is arrested. And that's kind of where I am. But it's really disturbing. It kind of reminds me of the push a little bit, Verity a little bit, which means I will probably love it. But I was texting my friend about it and she said she's reading it as well. And she said it's just like she has a stomach ache the whole time she's reading because it's which she also said, and I agree, is a credit to the writing. The writing is very good, but it's heavy. It's very heavy. But I think I'm going to enjoy reading it in the end and very different than the erogenous fairy wings. So it's good to have a balance, you know. Variety is the spice of life, they say. It is. Also, the wings. The wings are also the spice of life. Of course. If none of those struck your fancy, next week we have our April book club coming up, and we are reading Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, which is Olivia's most recommended book. I have not read it yet. We're recording a little in advance, but after this week, we're going to get up we're going to catch up to schedule, so we'll be recording the week before as usual. I'm really excited to read this one. I have been getting a lot of DMs from people and been being tagged in a lot of stories about people who are surprised how much that they love this book. It's a surprise and a delight. Where can the people find you, Olivia? Where are you on the internet? I am at Olivia Mentor on Instagram. And I'm at Becca M. Freeman on Instagram. And you can also follow us combined at Bad on Paper Podcast. And we also have a Facebook group where you can come chat with us about books and more. See you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) I'm like fading into the distance. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You're in space. They heard enough of me. (laughs) All right.